Now listen, we have been in this summer school series. Do y'all agree this has been a blessing? Now I don't know about y'all, I don't like school. I never wanted to go back to school. But I am glad for these last five weeks we have had in summer school. And I am honored that I get to close it out today. That's right. And it is going to be exciting. But before anything, this is a house of honor. In summer school, most people go to summer school because they want to accelerate their lives. They want to accelerate themselves to their degree plan. And I believe Dr. Darius and Pastor Shamika Darius have set up the summer school so we can accelerate ourselves into our destiny. And we just want to honor them as our spiritual leaders. I want to give honor to my spiritual parents, Darius Daniels, Shamika Daniels. We love you so much. I can't wait to see you tonight. I can't wait to see you guys back here next week. It's going to be incredible. Now, the pressure is on a little bit. Bishop John Guns killed it last week. We're Process 101. But you know what? I have confidence that God has placed a message on my heart that I believe if we take this, this is going to catapult us into what God has for us. And so today, if you're with me, I want you to turn your Bibles, follow me to the book of Matthew. Our base scripture is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew 14, verse 22 through 23, New Living Translation. And it says this, and straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, <clears throat> he was there alone. The title of today's session is Rest 101. Somebody type rest in the chat. Say rest in the studio. Rest 101. Thank you. So family, I know when you think of school, the thought of resting is the last thing you would possibly think of. More so the thoughts of papers, exams, presentations, and deadlines are normally what's associated with class. But here's what I noticed with that. With the busyness of school, here's the parallel. I've also noticed we live in a society where we glorify the hustle, the grind, and the state of busyness. Now, I'm going to get in trouble from the boomers and Gen X, but I want to step on a limb and say this. This might be one of the most smartest, most efficient, and brightest generations. I know somebody in the chat, no, y'all do dumb stuff all the time like eat Tide Pods. I get it. But hear me out. I'm going to step on a limb and say this might actually be one of the most burdened generations. The rise of cases of depression, anxiety, and other symptoms related to busyness have robbed the greatness of what this generation has to offer. Now, what if I told you, family, that we have, begin, we have been conditioned to live in the complete opposite way of how God has designed for us to live? Now, Pastor Austin talks about this. There's three ways we can live, right? There's culture's way, there's the church's way, and there's what? The king's way. Now, if we're going to live the king's way, that means taking a page out of Jesus' book on how to manage life, busyness, and success. Now, the church I grew up in painted Jesus as more so as this guy who walked around and did the occasional miracle. He made some wine. He fed a few thousand people. He healed some leopards. 
He healed the blind, and then he hung on the cross. But as I've gotten older, I've realized Christ was actually what we say nowadays, booked and busy. See, when I look at Jesus in the scripture there, most of the time, Jesus was never not doing something. If Jesus lived today, Jesus would be a modern-day rock star. I truly believe my Jesus. I don't know what you think. I think he would be seen as a rock star because wherever he went, there were crowds. Attention, expectation, requests. I imagine if Jesus lived right now, TMZ would be waiting right outside the 5,000 people getting fed. I believe everybody would want a selfie. I would believe he would have millions of followers on Instagram. I believe there would be a plethora of people just trying to get close to him. But here's what I noticed. In the midst of the craziness of his life, Jesus did one thing. Well, he did a lot of things really well, but this is the thing I want to focus on. The one thing he did really well that I believe we can learn from Christ is he took time to rest with God. I noticed Jesus would take time to refresh, to replenish, and to spend time with the Father. And in our text, our base scripture that we read at the start of the sermon, Jesus had literally finished the miracles with the loaves and the fish the first time. And after it was said and done, he retreated to be by himself. Now, as I read this passage over and over, it made me realize that though Jesus was busy, he was never hurried. Jesus saw the importance of rejuvenating his mind, his body, and his soul. See, Jesus does this thing that we need to be better at. Jesus implemented and practiced boundary setting in order to be who he needed to be when God called him to show up. Now, as I follow Jesus, it makes me realize this, family. It makes me realize, could my frustration in life or lack of results not be because I'm not doing enough, but could it be because I'm doing too much? Could my feelings of being stuck be a result because I don't take time to rest because I feel like I always have to be on the go? Now, what if I told you that the idea that society has sold us on, you can sleep while you're dead, is the reason why you're living a dead life? See, a dead life is a life that brings you no joy, a life that brings you no peace, a life that brings you no fulfillment. It's the life where you wake up miserable. It's the life where you wake up tired. It's the life where you wake up overwhelmed. It's the life where you you wake up overworked. And what if I told you that also this life of non-rest and busyness is the reason why your self-esteem is so low? It's the reason why you can't find peace. It's the reason why you can't find happiness. What if I told you, family, the storm that you are in is a direct correlation of your inability to rest? Now, in the military, I'm a former military guy, and all those that are walking, watching in the stream, the military, we're very direct and specific. So I'm going to have to break this down so I might not. Don't try to correct me in the chat. I know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to make it relatable for everybody, right? So in the military, they have this saying where they ask you to stand at parade rest. Now, all parade rest is, I want you guys to understand that those who aren't in the military, parade rest is a formal position assumed by a soldier in ranks in which he or she remains silent and motionless. 
Now, what normally happens is the whoever's in command of the unit or the group of people, when they're getting ready to give out commands, what they do is they tell that unit or that group of people to stand at parade rest, meaning they don't want you to do anything but to pay attention to what I'm about to tell you so you can have the instruction to go win the victory. But the problem we have when it comes to standing at parade rest with crisis, we're too busy trying to get the next victory that we don't take time to stop, to rest, to allow the Father to give you the direction you need so that you can win the battle that you're in. Now, what's intriguing about this principle of rest that Jesus practices is, is, not, is not only in our text that I provided above, but listen to this, family. Literally nine verses above our base scripture, Jesus actually went off to rest again. The verse says in Matthew 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Now, listen. We're in one chapter so far. One. We're in chapter 14. I have not left Matthew 14. And so far, Jesus has retreated twice to be by himself to rest. Now, as I see this is becoming a pattern, it makes me wonder, why are you resting? Now, every time Jesus rests in Matthew 14, after both times, something miraculous happens. After verse 13, we see Jesus, after he rests, it's the miracle of the loaves and fish. Now, when you follow verse 23 after he rests, you see Jesus walks on water. So this is what has me thinking. Favor follows faithfulness, and faithfulness is tied to my ability to rest. I don't think y'all heard me on that. Favor follows faithfulness, and faithfulness is tied to my ability to rest. See, faithfulness says, God, you are in control of my life, so I will lay down the reins to rest to let you take control of it. Faithfulness says, yes, I, I think I'm in control, but not really. So I say, God, if you say to lay it down, I lay it down. Faithfulness says, you're the God that can do more in six than I could ever do in seven. So if it's time for me to lay it down, I will choose to rest because my rest shows that I have faith to believe that you are in control. Now, I know what some of these people are going to say that know the Bible better than me. They're going to say, but Brandon, Jesus goes off to be alone in verse 13 because he had just heard the news of John the Baptist being beheaded by Herod, in which I will reply exactly. Listen here, family. Jesus understood the importance of not just resting to prevent burnout, but also the importance of rest to mourn, process, and loss. He understood rest isn't just refueling, but it's a time of healing. See, a lot of us can find ourselves moving forward because the moment we suffer loss or disappointment or hurt, we instantly try to find the thing that is going to make it better. Instead of properly taking the time to mourn, to process, and to allow God to heal ourselves. See, resting isn't just napping or sleeping, which is one definition. But the other definitions of rest are this, the freedom from activity or labor or the peace of mind or spirit. And I can't help but think, family, that in this moment in verse 13, 
Jesus is modeling the example of what we need to do when dealing with the ebbs and flow of life. See, I get it. Sometimes it's easier to just pick up and go. It allows you to bury the pain. It allows you to hide the hurt. It allows you to live in a way where you can pretend it really doesn't affect me. It's eating you up inside. But it feels better to move forward. At least that's what we tell ourselves. How do you know that, Brandon? Well, I would ask, can I be transparent? But if y'all know anything about me, I believe in radical candor, which means I kind of tell the truth all the time. So I'm asking as a formality, but I really don't care if you are okay with me telling the truth because I'm going to tell the truth anyways. It's just how I live my life. And the reason I can believe this thing, and I can tell you that it's true that we walk onto the next thing because today is a big day for me. See, August 8th today actually is the 10-year anniversary of my father passing away. 7 a.m. this morning, 10 years ago, my father takes his last breath on this earth. Now, family, when that happened, it's the worst day of my life. Now, if you've ever experienced loss, these people, the people around you, they're very well-intentioned with this, what they're about to tell you. They're very well-intentioned. Everyone around me says this, you got to step up now. You got to be the man of the house. You got to handle your business. Everybody needs you. What you going to do next? And though they are well-intentioned, what they didn't know, where they were robbing me of what Christ really wanted me to do if I followed Jesus' example. See, what happens is we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of that we need to get things done instead of when we experience heartbreak, when we experience being broken, when we experience hurt, we don't take time to rest with the Father so that he can heal you. Because what Jesus shows me when I follow his example is this. Jesus knew if I don't retreat, if I don't take time to deal with the mourning, if I don't take time to deal with the loss, I may not be as effective as the Father needs me to be. How do you say that? See, if you look at verse 14, right below verse 13, it says this. After Jesus goes into the solitary place, it reads, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And I can't help but think, could his time of resting and healing be the actual reason he had the capacity to not only show compassion, but also to fulfill his assignment to heal others? Jesus. Have you ever heard this statement, family, that hurt people hurt people? See, when I hear that statement, it causes my brain to wander and think about myself at this time as I experienced this loss 10 years ago. What happened because I didn't retreat to the Father to rest, that I didn't take the Sabbath that I need to slow down. See, what happens when you move too fast past the morning, what happens when you move too fast past the loss, this is what happens to Brandon Holmes, right? This is what happens. I lose all sorts of my compassion, my temper flares. My patience wears things. I begin to carry myself with this aura of I could care less of what's happening in your life because surely your problem isn't as big as mine. And for years, I carry this around until I read this verse and I saw when Jesus took time to rest or Sabbath, 
He was able to love the people and to serve the people in the best way possible. And the crazy part when I look back on my life, it makes me think, how many people did I miss? Because I refuse to rest. How many people are we missing because we refuse to slow down? How many people do we walk past daily because we're so consumed with getting to the next thing that never receives the impact that God has placed inside of you? Now, as I wrap up, family, I really want to share a few things that I believe if you implement it into your life, you will see some amazing things with rest. See, society and culture says, don't stop moving. Don't stop grinding. When you do that, you'll get to your dream. And I tell them, you must not know the God I serve. Because the God I serve says, it took me six days to create the universe. And if I could do that in six days, what I can do in your life in six days, you can never amount to you. See, the, the world's telling me, man, you need to keep grinding. You need to make another blog. You need to make another IG post. You need to start another business. And God is saying, I just need you to sit still and be quiet so I can pour into you the direction. I can pour into you the healing. I can lay my hands on you so that you can accomplish your task in the earth. See, God has not called us to pop, but he's called us to be influential and impactful. And young adults, I say this more than ever, influence does not equal impact. The world tells us to get influential and God's saying, I want you to be impactful. So here's what I want us to understand. If we apply this principle of rest or Sabbath, this is the greatness that comes out of it. The first thing I want us to understand is rest is important for your assignment. See, if we talked about it in verse 13, before the miracle of the loaves and the fish, we see Jesus had taken time to be in solitude. In order for you to be fully prepared, you must take time spending refreshing and restoring it is important for you to find times with the Father so that you can deliver what he's placed inside of you. Yeah. And I'm glad we live in a house and we're a part of a house that doesn't just teach that but honors that. Because what we tell ourselves is, God, if I take a break, it will all crumble down. And I speak against that because for the last month, our senior leaders have taken a break and they have modeled that when you take rest and you apply this principle to your life you understand that you're not in control of it anyways what you're saying is God I trust you enough that the thing that you trusted me with that if I take a break that you're going to get it to thrive that if I take a break that it won't crumble that my assignment is so important that instead of carrying on here to get to the next level I need to take time to rest with you listen we haven't seen pastor in three weeks and our church is still standing Still standing. What not a better example of why rest is important. Now, I'm a very practical guy, so I was like, God, make this make sense to me. He goes, now, Brandon, every time Dr. D comes back and Lady D comes back, the church hits a new level. Which leads me to my next point. Rest leads to the miraculous. See... What's amazing here in chapter 14, like I said, we have Jesus in two moments of rest. 
two moments of rest. After the first moment, after he hears about John dying, see, I I love this because we get two illustrations of rest. He's mourning that. He takes time to mourn the loss. And then when God called upon them, because he had taken time to mourn the loss, to rest, to Sabbath, to refuel himself, when God called him to be the blessing to the masses and feed him with fish and loaves, he could do it. Now, the second thing that it showed me is when you take time to rest, it increases your faith. Because after he sends the people away and he goes to be by himself and he rests and spends time alone, the next thing he does is walk on water. And some of you are believing for God to do something amazing and miraculous in your life. But God's saying, when's the last time you even stopped and spent time with me? See, you're too busy trying to make the relationship happen. You're too busy trying to start the job. You're too busy trying to start the company. You're too busy trying to find your spouse. And God's saying, do you trust me enough to just sit down and rest and let me go to work? You're trying to force his hand, and he's saying, if you would just sit down and trust me, and you let me do what I do, I will blow your mind. I don't care how many networking events you go. I don't care how many sponsor ads you have. I don't care how many people are in your Rolodex or in your phone. I don't care how many famous friends you have. They cannot do what I do. And if you want to see God work in your life, I encourage you to sit down. Take a rest. And I'm done. My last point is this, and I think this is critical. I'm walking through this myself. I've been walking through this. And as we had this last year of the pandemic and the craziness and everything that's been going on, this is one thing I've learned about rest. Rest brings peace in the storm. Now, in Matthew 8, we see this very interesting moment, church, that I think is so pivotal for us to grab a hold to. See, in Matthew 8, we find that Jesus had performed many miracles again, and him and the disciples are once again booked and busy, and they're on the move, right? And so what happens is they're crossing this lake, and the storm brews. And here's what the scripture says, Matthew 8, 23 through 26. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going down. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. See, a lot of us are facing storms in our life, and the first thing we get to do is we get to tweeting about it. We call our best friend. We tell him everything that's going on. And when I look at Jesus' example, he shows me that no storm is greater than the Father. That if I truly have faith, if I'm truly taking time to rest, then I seem to understand this does not mean life isn't happening, but this does mean I have the understanding that life has to calm down eventually because if the storm is happening, my father still has me. So while everybody else is in commotion, while everybody else is yelling, while everybody else is panicking, I can rest in peace because my father still has me. Now the world will tell me to panic. The world will tell me I don't have control. The world can tell me 
my life is over. But my God says, if you trust me, I will give you a life that prospers. If you trust me, I will make it happen. If you trust me, I'll make your wildest dreams come true. If you trust me, this storm will be nothing but a season. And we're afraid to rest in a storm. Because we're so afraid of failing. But what I'm learning about this principle of rest, the Sabbath, is that it's showing me that I believe God more than I believe my situation. That I believe my God more than what my viewpoint of reality is. See, the world says you're losing time, but my rest shows that I believe in a God that isn't occupied by the same type of time that we live in. The world says I'm falling behind, but I, my rest says I believe in the God of acceleration. The world says we're losing time, that it's too late, that it can never happen for you, but my rest says I serve a God that made the sun stand still. Now, this isn't on my notes But as I was thinking about this message this morning, I believe this is a key part of rest that a lot of us need to gather. In order to find rest, you have to eliminate the things that are distracting you from it. All every day, the world we live in, there's always something going on. There's always something in our hand. There's always something that has our attention. And all God is asking for is intimate time with you. See, there's this running joke in my family when when I don't post on socials much, my aunt calls me. She's like, baby, what's going on? You're not posting like you normally do. That means something going on in your life. And so this last time, a couple weeks ago, my birthday came up and I haven't really been active on socials. I'm taking a break. And she's like, Brandon... What's going on? You're not posting. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. She's like, what do you mean you're good? I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm really good. See, about a, a month and a half to two months before my birthday, God really pressed, let go of the thing that's taking you away from me. I said, God, it's, it's, just, it's just social media. He said, yeah, but... See, you never rest when you're on it. Because every time you open it up, you see the next person speak at a conference. You see the next job promotion. You see the next marriage. You see the new car. You see the new opportunity. You see the new vacation. You see all of these things. And instead of resting, you feel like you have to get up and grind to make it happen. And all day, you're like this. Before you go to bed, you're like this. And you can't even sleep because you're wondering, when is my time coming? Instead of sleeping, let me get up and study this. Instead of sleeping, let me try to make this happen. Instead of relaxing, let me try to purposely connect with this person. And what God wanted me to understand is when you eliminate the distraction that's preventing you from rest, one, you're removing the guilt of comparison from your life. And you're really... Allowing him to just say, God, what's for me is for me. 
and my process isn't going to look like everyone else's. So I trust you enough to not worry about when it's going to happen, but I thank you for what's already happening. That I can sit and rest and allow you to download and impart into me. So when the moment does come, I'm prepared. See, a lot of us are trying to force our hand into something, and I'm telling you, if you don't apply this principle of Sabbath, when it comes, you will bomb. And even if you do get it, you won't be able to maintain it. Because what happens in rest is it allows God to deposit into you what you need to carry out your assignment. And I believe a lot of us have things that we need to lay down that is preventing us from honoring this principle that Jesus so beautifully displays. I get it, but Brandon, you're not married with kids. I, I'm not. But are you allowing your kids to be the reason why you can't slow down? Brandon, but, 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 but I got to get this opportunity. But is your opportunity more important than the God who's giving it to you? See, I used to hear this a lot. Me and my sister used to talk. She's like, man, I, we, we were having this talk this summer. She's like, you know, it's so hard for me to rest. You know, I got Noah. I got my new job. I'm trying to get my master's. And she's like, I, I was actually online watching a blogger, and this blogger was like, if you want it bad enough, if you want time to refuel bad enough, you'll just get up earlier. And what I realized is a lot of us are lacking the discipline it requires to implement this honoring this principle of rest in our lives I'm not coming for you but a lot of us will sit on Instagram for an hour before bed when we could be using that time to spend with the father when we wake up in the morning the first thing we do is check our phone instead of just saying God thank you for waking me up this morning let me just give you 10 minutes but then we wonder why the door doesn't open we wonder why we're tired we wonder why we're emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And what God wants you to get is if you will make him a priority and rest and spend time with him, the miraculous will happen. I love what Bishop John Guns talked about the process last week. Rest is part of the process, family. You can't grind your way into your next level. And so I want to pray for us today, all of us, because I believe we all have something that we can be better at letting go so that we can honor this principle of rest. And that says, God, I believe that you're the God that can do more in six than I could ever do in seven. So, Father, I pray for everyone in the studio and everyone across the web that is watching this today. I pray that we lay those things down. I pray that this principle of rest is something that we don't just allow it to fall upon deaf ears, but it's something we take and we apply to our heart. Lord, that it becomes so important to us that it's something we implement into our daily regimen, that we find time to spend with you 
to Sabbath with you, to rest with you, to receive the impartation, to receive the guidance, to receive the wisdom that we need to fulfill our assignment. Father, I pray that you put spiritual blinders on our eyes, that we don't look left or right, that we don't fall into comparison, but Lord, that we only keep our eye on you and chase what you have for us. And Father, Lord, I just pray in this moment, Lord, that you remove the chains and inadequacy off of our lives. That we don't get caught up in the who's who or the what what, but that we know we are perfectly formed in your image. And that you have a plan for us, a destiny for us that is going to be so impactful that it will make the world shake. Father, I pray that as we apply this principle of rest, that you do to us that you did to Joshua, that you make the sun stand still, that you leave us in awe, that you do the miraculous, that no eye has seen and no ear has heard the great things that you're going to pull out of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Chains family, maybe this is your first time here. Maybe... You got invited to watch this today by a friend. Maybe you've been dating us for a little bit. And outside of rest, one of the greatest things, not one, I believe the greatest thing you could do is to partner in relationship with the Father. So right here, you see below me in our lower third, we have a way. If you're like, Brandon, today is a day I want to make a decision. I want to give my life to Christ. Brandon, today is a day I've been watching change for a while. This needs to be my family. I'm already here. I want to make it official. There's a number on the screen that we want you to text. We're not going to blow you up. But one thing we believe here at Change Church is we don't want you to just make the decision. We want to assist you to becoming the best version of yourself so that you can change the world. So text this number below and we are more than welcome to help guide you into your next steps. Now, one of the also outside of God, we believe here at Change Church, God calling us to change the world. One of the ways we change the world is through generosity. And we just want to first thank you for those who have been generous through this time. Because of your generosity, we have impacted more than New Jersey. We've impacted more than Florida, more than L.A., more than Atlanta. We have been able to share this gospel message across the globe. So we want to thank you and we want to offer you this opportunity if that's you. We have a few ways that you can practice generosity right here on the screen. And we want to say thank you for that. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you guys for sticking with us in this pandemic. We cannot wait to see you again. We are super excited. Tonight, don't forget, ATL, we in the building, 6 p.m. Tonight, Riverside Epicenter, Dr. Darius Daniels, Jovita Shepherd, my favorite. I'm coming in with a Jovita t-shirt. Y'all better watch out. Todd Galbraith, Change Worship. It's going to be amazing. We cannot wait to see you guys there. But before you log off, I want to pray a prayer of benediction over you. A blessing, a final blessing as we go into this week because we need it. And I believe this week, God will do something incredible in your life. So Father God, we thank you. We pray that this will be a word that doesn't fall upon deaf ears, but it's a word that we take and apply to our hearts. Father Lord, we pray that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the greatness of what's getting ready to happen in our lives. And Father, I pray that you protect us, that you keep us, and that this week will be the best week of the year so far. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. ATL, see you tonight. Change everywhere. See you next week. I'm out.